I've come to a better understanding, blah, blah. Disney seems to like to be able to keep their options open. So for those two reasons, I do not think... Hello, guys, can you hear me? I mean, I don't know that. That's no inside information. I just think they're going to keep their options open. But we'll see. We'll see. All right, uh, next up here. That was Biggie. Uh, Russell Ando writes, hey, Jim. Oh, it's going on with the mic. It's doing it again, isn't it? Probably. Hello, can you guys hear me? Hello, can you guys hear me? I guess you can. I guess you can. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, basically, had some trouble on the last stream. I don't know what's going on sometimes with this, you know. Uh, but yeah, welcome guys to um, a TGIF. If I get this right here, trying to link it up onto my Twitter, I can share with everybody here. But yeah, welcome to a. TGIF edition on this beginning of Valentine's Day weekend, because yes, Valentine's Day is uh, this Sunday, um, in case you guys don't know. <laughs> and uh, hold on, let me make sure you, I'm looking straight into the camera here. Hold on. Okay, just want to make sure you guys can see. <laughs> make sure I'm looking straight and all that. So and just a little bit more. There we go. Hold on for a sec. Okay. Uh, yeah, but again, welcome to this special uh, TGIF edition of Topics on My Mind for today, uh, February 12th, 2021, the beginning, like I said, of Valentine's Day. And we do have a variety of topics to talk about, as you can probably tell in the description. We will be talking a lot today on these variety of uh, subjects. So, you know, here, here we go. And if I get up a little bit, guys, it's because I'm going to be checking the mail, taking a break, probably giving my dog a little bit of a snack and all that. And also keeping an eye on her. She's got these like little hot spots and everything. You know, it's that time of year where, you know, you're transitioning from winter to spring and you got the fleas and all that coming back in, the bugs trying to come back in. Well, let's just get. Uh, let's just just say that the fleas are trying to hang on as best as they can, you know, to what's to what's going on. So if I get up a couple of times, do guys, I, I do apologize, and I do apologize if there's any kind of like abrupt uh, stream interruptions, you know, like the internet goes off or something. But I seem to notice that it's more so not just with possible interference from other people around here, but it, it's it's kind of like. Um, it's kind of like Microsoft Edge is is acting up lately. You know, they're not, you know, they're not basically um, as reliable as they used to be. Not saying they still ain't workable. They are. They still work. It's just that um, I think you know Microsoft has to do a lot more with what they have uh, before they uh, do anything else. You know what I'm saying? Um, in other words, what I'm trying to say is. Basically, they need to, um, 
and work out a lot more bugs. Like if they're trying to get to the level that you know Chrome and Firefox and all of them at, they really need to work a lot better on that uh, down the line. But anyway, though, guys, and hello, Samuel. Nice to see you in the uh, live chat. Uh, yeah, super chats are also open, guys, and I will provide in the description later on uh, when this is all said and done the links to where you can find my other content. BW Rose's discussions. You can find that at the various podcast locations like Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, aka iTunes, uh, Breaker, Stitcher, you know, Google Podcast, you know, most of what you're used to, Bullhorn. The only one that I'm still working on is Pandora. I don't know what's going on there, but Pandora is one I'm trying to work on. But the rest you can find me at, like I said, uh, most of them you can find me at uh, Israel Radio Public. You can also find me at Vimo uh, as well. As also, I have the Brian's Discussion Patreon. Uh, if you want to donate to that, it's only $1 a month to help me out. Not much, just one buck. I'm sure a lot of us can afford that. So if you want to do that, it's up to you. And Super Chats are open, like I said, for you guys to donate if you want to. Um, so, yeah, basically just letting you know what's going on. And hopefully you guys enjoy this Topics on My Mind podcast uh, as well. So you can also find my other secondary channel, which is Brian's Discussions. Not much has been added to that just yet. I also have a Daily Motion channel. Again, links will be provided uh, in the description or... Go to my homepage, go to the About section, click on that here on YouTube, scroll down, and at the bottom you'll see all the links um, as well. But we have eight topics to talk about today. We have eight topics to discuss. And these are the topics. Is I go check something real quickly, guys.
Okay, guys. Sorry about that. Let me see how long it was. I do apologize. Ooh, 13 minutes. And thank you, Bugs. Uh, I'm doing good so far. I wish I would have been here right at the beginning. <laughs> Sorry for that bit of a delay. I'm pretty sure you're thinking, man, what took him so long? Well, I'm going to check right now how long that was. Hold on, guys. So I left around the, according to this, negative 7 minutes, 51 seconds. Yeah, it took about up to now. Yeah, almost six minutes. I do apologize for that, guys. I had to feed my dog some meat. Uh, We haven't given her meat in a while because, you know, she's older. And, you know, last time we gave her meat, she either didn't feel well. Something happened. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But the meat's good. The meat is good. It's pedigree, so it's good. Uh, So what my mom suggested is just give her a teaspoon, uh, a tablespoon, which is basically the, the big spoons and all that. And... Mix it in with her dry food, see what happens. Hopefully that'll work. Um, so that's what I did. I put it in a smaller bowl, mixed it in together, and hopefully that works. Uh, it's worked before. So, I mean, what I do sometimes when I give her what's known as the carry-out meat snacks, um, basically I, you know, I basically um, mix it in with her dry food. I crunch it up a little bit most times and just put it in with her dry food and she eats it like that. And then, you know, not only does she um, eat the snack, but she also eats her dry food as well. So, you know, there's that. But anyway, uh, getting back to the topics we were going to discuss today. So I do apologize, though, about that. I had to take care of what I had to take care of. I'm not the only one that does that. One of the guys I watched, John Campia, uh, does that, too. He has to take, like, a couple of minutes, almost like in total, I would say, 30-minute breaks. You know, five to five to ten minutes each to, you know, to, you know get his drink refilled, stuff like that. Uh, But anyway, let's talk about these topics, shall we? So let's list them off so far of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, One, we will talk, we'll give our thoughts on WandaVision so far. I've done some videos on that. I even super chatted John Campia earlier this morning, so they will be read off hopefully during the opens discussions uh, later on today. Um, We'll talk about that. Uh, Number two, we'll talk about uh, could IDW Comics do the same thing with the Sonic comics as they did with TMNT, which was the Archie comics. We'll talk about that. Uh, Number three, we'll talk about Disney Plus reaching its 990. Well, (laughs) what I'm trying to say is the third topic we'll talk about is Disney Plus reaching its uh, 95 million subscribers goal in its first full year. Basically, it's a goal that they had long term. And we'll talk about that. Number four, we're talking about Plastic Man to be Plastic Woman for film adaptation and the fun they could have with this. I've talked about that in a video separately when that news came out. So we'll talk about talk about it more because we haven't heard much. Uh, number five, and I just saw the news on this today, whether you believe it or not. Uh, why are COVID-19 vaccines rolling out slowly? You know, why are... Why are COVID-19 vaccines rolling out slowly lately, or are they? We'll talk about that, try to answer that, because I know, you know, there are some people that are 
uh, talking that I'm wondering, you know, okay, why we, you know, it was ramped up, it was going quick, and now it's slowing down. What's going on? You know, so we'll talk about that. Uh, number seven, we'll just, uh, number six, actually, we'll talk about the 2021 My Little Pony movie to be Netflix bound in September. Yes, this is major news that just came out. And uh, number seven, we'll talk about Disney shutting down Blue Sky Studios and what could, you know, happen afterwards. And number eight, because Pat Contra of Pat the NES Punk during the CU podcast talked about this. We'll talk about the 30th anniversary of Street Fighter II, The Road of uh, the World Warrior. And, you know, that's basically one of the more uh, popular um, additions, you know, back then when the uh, series was out. So, yeah, basically, again, Super Chat's open if you want to do that. As well as check out my other stuff, and I'll provide links to that in the description later on. Uh, so you guys can see, uh, watch those, uh, listen and watch those and donate um, if you like. Um, anyway, though, guys, let's get ready to talk about our first topic, and I'll be back in a moment. I gotta check something. Okay, if I have to get back up again, guys, it's probably because I gotta let my dog out to go potty. She just um, she just ate her meat and dry food combination, if you will. Oh, <laughs> uh, she might lay down. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we'll talk. We're gonna get into our next our first topic first. I wish I could do this right away, but got to check a lot of stuff and all that. Uh, just to also let you guys know, there will possibly be package openings today if what I'm estimating is true, according to uh, the U.S. Postal Office um, and the various um, uh, package carriers that are, you know, just trying to mail out the package distributed um, as we speak. So there might be some package openings today uh, as well. And I think the United States Postal Service needs to update, you know, the the systems, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so let me go check something real quickly, guys. Okay, just checking. All right, so finally, how many minutes are we in here, guys? I do apologize. Almost 20 minutes. And hello, Z-Tales. Again, uh, Super Chats are open for those of you that are joining in if you want to donate. As well as, like I said, check out my various other areas for the BW Roses discussions on the podcast, my Vimo channel, uh, Daily Motion channel, my Patreon, where you can donate $1 a month. Only $1. Nothing too wrong with that if you can do that. Um, And, yeah, that's about it. So, anyway, though, guys, let's uh, get into our first topic here. And our first topic is we're going to give our thoughts. I'm going to give my thoughts, I should say, on WandaVision uh, so far. Now, as you may have noticed over the past uh, couple of weeks, 
I have been uh, talking about WandaVision as I go check on something. Like I said, I have been, you know, talking about WandaVision over the past several weeks, hearing my thoughts, you know, participating in discussions, super chatting people like John Campia, listening to what he and the likes of, you know, Alex Hicks, just Alex uh, on his secondary channel known as Alex uh, Reviews Everything, and Jeremy Johns, you know, uh, Blind Wave, Double Toasted. A lot of people that want to give their thoughts on WandaVision and how, you know, on how each episode is really just like raising the bar a little bit and exceeding expectations. And I've given my thoughts on it a lot, even in, like I said, Super Chats. And, you know, WandaVision, I'm going to say this, you know, Kevin Feige, and I, and I mentioned this in a Super Chat that I sent to um, John Campio that he'll be reading off later on, I'm hoping. Uh, but I, I sent this to, to John Campia in a super chat. If I can pull it up and you guys can see it, I'll show you. Um, but basically, this was the first one I gave him. And I posted this. Uh, let's see when when I, when I did I do it. Try to pull it up here for a second. Um, you can do that. <laughs> and my dog just ran into the door by accident. She was trying to turn, and boom, she hit on, her, on the door. She's fine. She's okay. I'm trying to get the thing to come up here for a second. Let's see. It does it. There it is. So yeah, I, I sent this uh, to him. Well, that's actually another one. Hold on. Yeah, I actually sent this to him around like early this morning, about like seven something, eight something. Yeah, but 818, I screenshot this, but uh, I sent this a lot earlier. Basically, this is the thing that uh, Kevin Feige, in my opinion, is doing when it comes to WandaVision. And I, and I sent this to, to uh, John. Hopefully, it'll be read today. I said, you know, it, this is what I said to him. I said, hey, John and Ann, because he brings his wife on, Ann uh, Campia. But this is what I said. I said, hey, John, it seems to me uh, that Fergie, I put the Fergie, uh, that Kevin Fergie or, you know, the Fergie or th uh, that. I should have said that. That was my wrong bad. Uh, it seems to me that Fergie is going the is going by the old saying Roddy Piper used to use. And that old saying is this. Just when they think they have the answers, I change the questions. That's the vibe I got here. And that's essentially something that I'm sure he's going to point out speaks for all of WandaVision. You know, that, and hello, Retro, nice to see you in here as well. But like I said, that's that's kind of the vibe that a lot of people are getting uh, with, with WandaVision as I check, check on things right now. 
But like I said, it's kind of the the vibe that I'm getting with WandaVision. I'm sure John Campio will probably agree with that because, you know, it seems that every week when someone like John Campia or Alex Hicks of Alex Reviews Everything, just Alex Central, formerly Deluxe Man, and Jeremy Johns and Double Toasted and Blind Wave and all of them, you know, Angry Joe, Joe Vargas, you know, it, th- that seems to be the vibe everybody is getting. Uh, with with WandaVision that, you know, just when we think we have the answers or just when we think we figured things out, we've pretty much pieced it all together. That's when Kevin Feige decides to change the questions or keep, throw us that throw us that curveball that we don't see coming, that twist we don't expect. And to me, you know, he's doing that with WandaVision because it seems like every week, you know, we seem to get a better idea of what's going on, but then we're throwing a curveball. I mean, it's like, you know, last week with episode five, you know, you know, it gave the vibes that somebody else is, you know, helping out here. Like I told John Campia uh, several weeks ago that at first I thought Wanda was 75% in control and then, you know, the other 25% was somebody else. And then last week it confirmed it. You know, furthered my con- uh, uh, confirmant, if you will. It basically, you know, basically um, solidified my confirmant that she is in control. But now it seems she's more ninety percent in control, while ten percent is somebody else. And that ten percent could be anybody. It could be anybody. And I even mentioned the fact that it could be Mephisto, and uh, because Mephisto is known in the comics. I don't know how to do it here, but he's known in the comics to prey on the mentally fragile. A good example of that is with Spider-Man One More Day. Uh, basically, One More Day, and if you want somebody's real opinion on it, you know, in character and as themselves, check out Lewis Lovehog, aka Linkaris. Two, I think it was his, what is it? His two hundredth review, three hundredth review. But check out his review on it. And I guarantee you, you're, you, not only will you get a very in-character and out-of-character kind of shoot style, you know, review on it and how he feels it doesn't work. And, wh- you know, basically asking, you know, why, what was Joe Casada? I think, the, who's the person, one of the people behind it, what they were thinking. But also the fact that, um, you know, he just doesn't like the idea that you're bringing in a character that's literally the devil in the MCU or in the Marvel universe and having them say, and having them be utilized in a way that basically makes the characters, the heroes look stupid because the one more day deal was basically all Mephisto wanted was Spider-Man and Mary Jane's happiness, AKA the marriage. So what does he do? He grants them some, he grants them exactly that he grants Spider-Man what he's his, you know, his desire, and that is to basically be, you know, I guess have things back to the way they were. No marriage, no nothing, you know, back in high school, back in college, whatever the case may be. But it seems that 
Mary Jane made a deal with him that only she and then later on Peter will start recalling their previous lives, especially if they end up together in this new uh, reality. So, and hello, Alexander. Nice to see you in here. And yeah, that's I mean, you got to get it right to your opinion, Alexander. That's how you feel. Uh, but anyway, but anyway, though, you know that that's who Mephisto is. You know, and he's had that trait, you know, displayed in the comics many times throughout uh, his uh, duration um, in the uh, Marvel comics in the Marvel universe. But now it seems he's probably going to be showing up in the MCU. And if it is him, again, speculation's going around there now, especially after yesterday's, uh, after today's uh, episode, because it premiered at midnight Pacific time uh, here in California, or here on the West Coast, that basically, you know, we also could be dealing with Nightmare. We could be dealing with the Nightmare character, or we're dealing with a Nightmare or Mephisto hybrid character, you know, basically it's one or the other, but the, a hybrid of both Nightmare and Mephisto in one. Like Mephisto could show up, but he's a hybrid of both Nightmare and himself in personality and in powers and whatever, or the same with Nightmare. He's a hybrid of Mephisto and himself, you know, in personality traits and powers and all that. You know, so now he's being thrown into the equation and this all has to center around the fact that Wanda is mentally broken. She's a mentally, emotionally broken. And that whoever is pulling the strings, like, you know, they're giving her free range. Like, you know, they're giving her free range to where, to the viewer, to the, you know, the point to the viewer. She is basically um, 90% in control but there's 10% being, but there's 10% of it that's not her. And sometimes the lesser number is the greater of, of them both, believe it or not. That even though somebody could be 90% in control or feel like they're 90% in control in the eyes of others, there's that individual or that group of people that have that smaller percentage that have a greater control than the 90% that the person that thinks they're running things has. Um, you know, has, you know, you know, has uh, as well or something like that. But basically what I'm saying is, for example, let's say, you know, for me, I live here, right? I live with my mom and everything. And you would think, okay, right now, Brian is on his, you know, his, you know, has the house to himself. He's a hundred percent, 90% in control, right? But even though I might be 90% in control right now while she's at work, She's 10% in control. She still has 10% control even while she's at work because she checks up on me. She makes sure things are going okay and all that. You know, she still has that 10%. She still has that 10%. And even if I try to do a video or whether it's a live stream like this or an on-camera video, whatever the thing that I'm going to upload later, you know, I only have like 75% or 50% control and the other is her. So even if I have, like, during the night when she's resting, I might gain 75% control and she has 25%. She still has that, that 25% she still has is greater because I have to constantly check and make sure that I have, you know, I'm going to have basically some uninterrupted time to do a video because 
you know, she might wake up and move around and I might do a video and she might mistake it for me saying something about her or about something she doesn't want to be, be let known or stuff like that or misinterpreted it like that. And to me, that's basically what I see here with WandaVision. I see that Wanda, although from the view from a viewer's perspective, she has 90% control, you know, and 10% is being done by somebody else, that 10% is greater than that 90%. In other words, that 10% is more powerful, more controlling than that 90% that Wanda has, as crazy as that sounds. In other words, basically, that 10% can overlap the 90. Now, with that said, with that said, though, like I, like I mentioned earlier, and I put in that super chat to John Campia, I, I basically, you know, basically Kevin Feige, what he's doing with this series, which is basically, you know, a, you know, a continuity, which is, well, basically, it's not a continuity, but basically is a story that takes place. Because in case you guys are wondering still exactly when does WandaVision take place, WandaVision takes place three weeks after Endgame in continuity, Seven months before Spider-Man: Far From Home, you heard me right. Let me let me give you a perspective. You heard me right. Okay, so WandaVision takes place three weeks after this, seven months after this. So when WandaVision gets released on home video, which it will on Blu-ray and DVD, you're going to want to put it. Right between this and this in your MCU continuity um, display on your shelf, like I have on mine. Because she, because WandaVision fills the gap between these two because it takes place three, three weeks after this, seven months before this. So there you go. Three weeks after this, seven months before this. And the way they confirm this is in here you will have basically a statue of vision basically indicating he's dead. So basically you have that. So basically you have that moment in there that basically indicates from a continuity standpoint that this takes place before Far From Home. Like I say, you kind of just checking something again. Uh, basically, you know, also because I'm expecting packages. But like I say, you you have this situation, or you have this moment in that movie with Vision being memorialized in a statue or with a statue that basically shows you from a continuity standpoint that this WandaVision takes place before then. And this would explain possibly... Why we see uh, J.K. Simmons, a character, uh, Jonah Jameson from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. Not to, yeah, yeah, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies show up at the end and reveal and show the video of uh, a Mysterio admitting to the world who Spider-Man really is behind the mask. And you and. Here's the thing. When you see him in there, you're thinking, well, wait a minute. He's a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man character. What's he doing here? And basically, 
you can probably throw in the multiverse for that happening. Because again, continuity standpoint, you know, it takes place three weeks after Endgame, seven months before Far From Home, and then afterwards, afterwards, this leads directly into the third Spider-Man, and it takes place like two months after the sec the the second one, and then that leads into Multiverse of Madness, and. I gave my thoughts honestly on, on again, you know, I gave my thoughts to John, you know, I super chatted John Campia, you know, and tipped him basically with the same questions because super chat wise, my my um, my question wasn't answered until about the day or so later, not by John but by Rob, which isn't a bad thing, which isn't a bad thing at all, and you know they both gave their answer on it and both kind of agreed that they could see this happening. Because I told them honestly um, that at the end of it, yeah, when it's all said and done, there's a possibility. Because if you watch Winter Soldier all the way through, there's a post-credit scene where we see Quicksilver, Pietro, and Wanda uh, in these uh, like little cases or something like that, and Wanda's like this. You know, she's just popping things, and according to John, she looks angry. You know, when she's doing that. And he kind of agreed that we could potentially see that. And he, Rob and him both kind of, in a way, agreed uh, individually on their own when they answered the question that we could see that. We could see Wanda being, you know, ending up just like that, mentally broken, back as we first saw her. And she's just doing this. Mm, bing! Bing! Uh, she could be gone mentally. Now, there is a chance that I, I think. You know, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's a chance that if they do, if they do take an element from the House of M uh, storyline, which they are loosely adapting, adapting according to a lot of people with WandaVision and it going into Spider-Man Three and then Doctor and Doctor Strange Two. You know, you have to wonder, you know, uh, whether or not. And the thing just went off on me again. I don't know why it does that. <laughs> Uh, second time I've done a live stream, and you know how your computer goes, you know, blanks out a little bit to go into a standby mode or something like that. You would think if you're doing a live stream, it wouldn't do that, but you know, it did it. <laughs> you know, uh, let me check something. Hold on, guys. Okay, everything's fine. Uh, but like I said, you know. Um, the, the, I, again, correct me if I'm wrong, everybody, but there is a moment in uh, House of M, or at least towards the end of it, most of it, that WandaVision, that Wanda, Wanda, I should say, does something to where she says, no more mutants. We know that that basically limits the mutant population. But then there's another thing that happens to where when it's over, she disappears. Like she just goes off everybody's radar. She's gone. Now, I don't know if that's when she does the No More Mutants deal or if that's afterwards. I don't know. But we know that she disappears in office and basically ends up off everybody's radar for quite some time. Because what we're getting, the vibe we're getting here with WandaVision is similar to the House of M and what goes on there with her. And that is the fact that all she wants is happiness. She just wants her happily ever after. Now, 
I'm not going to be surprised that as we go continue on with WandaVision and into Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and all that, where Wanda basically, because if you go back to episode five and she walks out of the dome, that also reality dome that she's created, and she tosses the drone back at them and says, hey, this is your only warning. Leave me alone. And then she also says, I got what I want, you know, and I'm not going let anybody take it away from me ever again. Now you got to look and you got to interpretate that. You, you got to interpretate that as, as to what is she talking about? Is she talking about vision? You know, is she talking about having her happiness, having a normal life? You know, what is it? Because if it's both, if it's vision, like I got what I want, which is vision, nobody's going to take him away from me ever again. Okay, fine. But, but here's the other thing. Is it, you know, normalcy? Is it having a normal life without having to worry about anything? You know, is it that? Because you have to think, okay, you know, she's telling them she got what she wants and nobody's going to ever take it away from her again. Because you got to remember when in Infinity War, her and Vision, you know, were living on their own. They were living together, happy, all that. Nobody was disturbing them. Until everything started to go to heck, if you know what I mean. And hello, Connor Hodge. Thank you for joining. And again, guys, Super Chats are open if you want to donate there. As well as my Patreon is also open. $1 a month helps out. It's not much if you want to do that. Uh, Again, links will be provided in the description later on. Or you can go to the um, About section on my homepage. Here on YouTube, click on that, scroll down, and then you'll see the links to my podcast, to where to find my uh, podcast, my audio podcast, as well as find my um, Patreon, my Vimo channel, and Daily Motion channel. And there you go. So again, super chats open if you want to do that, as well as um, you know, dollar a month. That Patreon really helps out if you guys want to do that too. Uh, but anyway, getting back on tra- getting back on topic here, um, you know, you got to wonder what she's talking about because, like I was saying, before everything went to crap <laughs> in Infinity War, you know, her and Vision were living happily. They were living happily, you know, on their own. You know, I think what was in in New York or in the other, another part of the world, Europe or something like that. And one thing that Tony Stark told uh, Bruce Banner was Vision had taken himself offline, you know, and that he was evolving. Um, you know, because because Banner's like, look, we got to find Vision. He has the Mind Stone, and if Thanos finds him before we do, he's, you know, he's screwed. He's effed, if you know what I mean. And Tony Stark's like, yeah, Vision took himself online, offline weeks ago. You know, I can't, I can't communicate with him. And, you know, again, this is when he tells Bruce, because Bruce is like, well, come on, tell, tell me you lost another Superbot. And he's like, no, he's more than that. He's evolving. You know, something like that. He says, he goes, I didn't lose him. He's more than that. He's evolving. Basically acknowledging that Vision is becoming more than what he was. And, you know, this does bring into question one thing, guys. And maybe I should have asked this as well. And perhaps I could still do it, although it might be. <laughs> Asked, uh, answered in a companion video, you know, it makes you wonder if perhaps Wanda is the one that, you know, suggested the vision, take yourself offline. 
take yourself offline so he doesn't find you and we can, you know, live happily. It makes you wonder. You know, it really puts into perspective and makes you wonder if perhaps, you know, you know, it, it makes you, you know, it, it makes you wonder, uh, basically, if she's the one that suggested, you know, for him to go offline, because, you know, why would Vision do that, knowing that he might be needed, you know, in, in case of a crisis? So, yeah, it really makes you, it really makes you think that, or believe that Wanda is the one that suggested it, because, obviously, again, however you take, however you take her, you know, I got what I wanted. Nobody's going to take it away from me again. You know, in context, you know, it makes you wonder if it's about vision or it's about her having a happy, normal life, a perfect life, if you will, and not having to worry about anything any anymore. Not, not having to be worried about being called upon or anything like that. You know, it makes you wonder. So, again, like I said uh, to, to, Capia, uh, to John Campia, um, I, I truly believe that, you know, Wanda could end up as we first saw her in Winter Soldier, you know, back in a containment unit or something like that, just doing this. But and but instead of being angry or something like that, she's just gone. You know, she's mentally out of it. You got to you got to think either she, that's going to be at the hands of Doctor Strange, Sword, aka Sword slash Shield. You know, you got to wonder. You know, you got to wonder exactly what what's in what's in store. Okay, whatever. Uh, but yeah, you, it just really makes you wonder what's in store. And it's like, you know, it's like, you know, it seems, because one thing I did mention to him as well is it seems that anything that disturbs Wanda's reality, because one thing about this show is, you know, you got you got to think basically you know, you know, uh, you know, how, again, going back to what I talked about earlier about Wanda having some control, 90% of control, you know, her giving, been, being given free range by whatever entity, other entity or power is out there. You know, you have to wonder if, you know, she wants to make sure that nothing disrupts her, you know, her, her reality or her happiness, you know, even from the inside and from without. Because because you got to go back to, and again, this all ties into what I'm saying, to where I think Wanda could end up when it's all said and done. Like I said, it's it's either that or we end up having Wanda basically erase herself. Basically, she's still existing, but she just erases herself from everybody's mind so that she can go and have a happy life with vision or whatever interpretation of vision that she'll have or whatever the case may be. You know, it makes you... It makes you kind of think that that's what that's the direction we're heading in, but when you go back and look at everything that's going on, where she's telling the sword agents and Monica, you know, hey, I got what I wanted. Nobody's going to take it away from me ever again. And then, of course, going before that, you see how she basically reacts to finding out who Wanda really, not Wanda, but who Monica really is, Geraldine. That is who she really is. You know, and how she removes her from the equation. Or how she rewinds time with the beekeeper and say, "Nope, you ain't coming in here." Or she basically, um, 
blanks out the TV screen for a lot of viewers, even though those of us watching, and then it comes back up, and it's like she just blanked it out to kind of change it into what she wants. You know, you, you got to think about how much control she really, you know, not only does she have, but how far is she willing to go, basically, to have her happiness? To basically be like, leave me the F alone. Let me have my happiness. You got you to gotta ask yourself, how far is she willing to go? Is she willing to basically say, hey, look, let me go all the way to when the kids are grown up and out of the house, have a series finale you know, and everything, pass away in story with vision, and then, hey, everybody's free because I got my happy ending. Is that what she's, is that what she's heading for? We don't know. We, we don't know. It's, it's, it's a good question because, you know, you know, that's what the series is doing. You know, that, that is what the series is doing. It's, it's making you wonder exactly what the, what's going to happen next. Because as I said in the super chat to John Campia that he'll be reading off later, hopefully, you know, Kevin Feige is going by that old saying of just when they think they have the answers, I change the questions. Now I also pointed out to him, Something else that Screen Crush, Screen Crush here on YouTube actually talked about. I think it was Screen Crush. And they said this, because I mentioned this to him. I said, folks, and this is the other Super Chat game. I said, folks have been speculating that Wanda has a split personality sim similar to Gollum's in Lord of the Rings. This may explain her change in tune uh, in the series or change in tone uh, in the series. And what I mean by that is, um, in Wanda, uh, in uh, in Lord of the Rings, Gollum uh, has you know basically has to give himself two distinct, different personalities to kind of uh, basically you know make a decision whether you know he wants to help or not help, you know whether he wants to do this, whether he wants to do that, you know, and he's got these two different personalities that basically are like fighting within him. Like he, like, he could be like this, like, oh, I don't want to do this. I want to help them. And then the other side of him could be like, like, you can't help them. You ha shouldn't help them because they just want what you have. You know, and that's what it is. So you have to wonder if Wanda has developed that as, developed that as well. And, you know, that's a question that a lot of people should be asking themselves. You know, has she gotten to the point where she split herself in two and she can't, tell the difference between her alternate sitcom reality self and her MCU self, you know, makes you curious about, you know, where they're going to go with it in the future. Because a lot of people are saying that this is going to lead to her uh, being, be, uh, becoming, you know, the big bad um, in the MCU, you know, at least for the next couple of movies. Now, the other thing that I did point out to him as well, I did ask, um, you know, Kevin Feige, uh, this, I mean, I can't fight, but John Campia, this, and hopefully he'll answer. I said this, I said, I don't know if anyone thought of this, but what if Hayward, that being the directing, the acting, um, director, uh, what if Hayward is tied to General Ross? It would explain his actions towards Wanda similar to Ross's actions towards Hulk. Now, I'm not saying it's, you know, the same kind of actions, but the similar. And what I mean by this is when they send the 80s disguised drone in there, unbeknownst to Monica and Wu and Darcy, Dar Darcy, that it's armed, 
but it's only known to uh, Hayward. It makes you wonder if he is tied to Ross somehow because Ross, you know, you know, uh, basically not understanding that, hey, you know, Banner Hulk is not bad. Even even with the hybrid now version of, of Banner Hulk, if you will, you know, Science Hulk, as they call him, you know, he's not a bad guy. He's just trying to help. So it makes you wonder if even knowing that Banner and Hulk have kind of become this amalgamation al- of who they are, this merged version of who they are, you know, it makes you wonder if Ross still resents Hulk, still doesn't trust Hulk with, you know, even with, you know, how he is now, how he and Banner are basically now one. You know, it makes you wonder if perhaps, you know, he feels the same same way about all the heroes. I mean, he is responsible for kind of starting that initiative in Civil War, in the adaptation of Civil War. So it makes you wonder if Hayward is tied to Ross in some capacity, like Ross told him, hey, go join this organization, you know, see what they're up to, but get back to me, let me know what's going on, and I'll give you an idea or suggestion or whatever or an order to to do. And you also have to look at how Haywood explains to Monica and Wu, Monica and Wu and all them, hey, Monica, you were gone for five years. You don't know what we went through, okay? You have no idea what we dealt with. So, you know, and it's, and it's very similar to Ross saying, look, you know, you don't have, basically when he explains to, to the heroes and to, and to his daughter, who was, I think, the love interest of Banner at one point, basically saying, look, you know, I understand Banner's a good guy, but how can you trust him if he bring when the Hulk comes out? How can you trust him if the Hulk emerges? How can you trust him to control it? And I'm again. I'm sure Ross sees this hybrid version of both of them now, and it's like, yeah, you might have, you might be, you know, together now, but who's to say the Hulk side of you won't want to come out and take over? So it's kind of that distrust. It's that distrust and not wanting to take chances. So it makes you wonder if there's some kind of connection between the two. I could be wrong, but the way again, going back to that saying of that Kevin Feige uses of Roddy Piper's of. Just when you think you have all the answers, I change the questions. Or just when you think you have things figured out, I throw you that curveball. It kind of falls into that category. It makes you wonder if maybe there is a connection. But yeah, so far, WandaVision, I'm loving it. I'm loving WandaVision so far. And I cannot wait to see what they have in store for us later on. Because we only have, believe it or not, after this, three more episodes. Seven, eight, nine. And there's speculation and rumor. Uh, going around that they will be about an hour long each. So you're looking at a combined three hour film to finish off the series. Okay. So with that said, with that said, let's get on to our second main topic and I'll be right back to talk about that in a moment.
Foose. Be right back, guys. But yeah, like I said, I'm liking what WandaVision is doing so far and can't wait to see what they got in store for the next three episodes, the final three episodes, believe it or not, uh, for the series. And now, on to our second topic. Shaking something there. Now on to our second topic, and this is really interesting, this one. And the second topic we're going to talk about and ask and try to answer is... Could IDW Comics uh, do the same thing with the Sonic comics as they did, um, <laughs> as did they did, I put too much, I got to change that, but it's okay. But as they did with TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics, the Archie ones. Now, what I'm talking about uh, there is uh, Archie Comics uh, used to publish, used to have the publishing license uh, to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, just as they did at one point with Sonic the Hedgehog. And what happened over the past several years, or what has occurred over the past several years, is IDW and Archie Comics, along with, I assume, Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman, uh, came to an agreement to allow a republication of the classic Archie story. So, in other words, if you didn't get to read them initially, now you'll be able to read them in these big uh, collections uh, that they were released. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I think. Let me go check over here for a second, guys. Oh, I gotta fix something here momentarily. Matter of fact, let me see if I can uh, check here a little quickly. Maybe, maybe I can't. No, wait, hold on. Found it. I found one I need to give an example of. Oh no, that's a rocketeer. Let me see. Um, can I? Can I not? I think I may have buried them. <laughs> uh, but anyway, what I'm talking about, about um, essentially what I'm talking about is the fact that IDW, what they did is, and I think I have, I can give you an example of what I'm talking about here. I don't think I have any over here. Oh, wait, I do. Hold on. I have one. What IDW did, and I have a couple more. Some of them are in the closet, I think. I got to rearrange a lot here. 
but basically, what IDW Comics did is basically they took uh, essentially what was it about? According to this, issues 67 to 72, it's 67, 68, 69, 70, 71, 72. Uh, basically, Okay, 67, 68, 69, 70, 71, 72. They take six issues each. And what they did is they would basically republish them in these volumes. Now, I have most, I have a good chunk of these already. I just got to put them all together, um, if you will. I got to put these all together. Uh, so I can read them. Yeah, but what IDW did is they take about six, five, six, seven issues of the original Archie book and they compile them you know, into these volumes that they released. And this was in conjunction with Archie Comics and I think Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, but mostly with Archie Comics. So the question that I have here in this topic, the second topic is, could IDW Comics do the same thing with the Sonic Comics? And here's the big difference. You know, here's the big difference, um, if you will. You know, here's the big difference. The big difference being uh, the fact that unlike the, unlike basically Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which only went to about 72 issues, 72, 73 issues, was scheduled to go more. They had a City at War storyline lined up and ready to go um, for later on, but the, the book uh, was canceled. Uh, due to the, I guess, the uh, ending of the partnership or something between the two sides, and they were planning, to, but they were, but like I said, they were planning to do that, and I think they still wanted to try to get City at War uh, published. I don't think I don't know if they accomplished that or they didn't. I don't know if they're still working on that, but the but the thing was, you know. You know they wanted, but the thing was, before they could make that happen, you know, the book was canceled. It ended. So what happened was, you know, a lot of the stories were shelved. Any potential future stories were shelved. Ninjara, Yumiko, the, the girl character that you saw in, uh, in those pictures there the, of the book I was showing you, uh, she was created by different um, people. So unless they were paid royalties, she was not to be used, kind of very similar to Ken Penders in his situation. So she ended up appearing in another comic by Radio Comics publication called Furlog. Furlog, yeah, F-U-R-R-Log. You know, another was like Furlog or something like this. It's called Furlog, Furlog, if you will. That's what it is, Furlog. Like Furlog, this is Furlog or something like that. So she appeared in several issues there, and those were black and white comics. But point being... Point being, though, uh, the book was scheduled to continue on until it was canceled. 
And ever since then, trying to get all the individual issues or the issues you want, sometimes are easy to come by, you know, you know, price wise. And sometimes they're not, especially the ones you're looking for. Like for me, I had about three out of the four issues of the Moon Eye Saga, except for the last issue. Never could get my hands on it for some reason. No matter how many times I checked in at Mile High Comics, I could never get my hands on it. Thankfully, uh, thankfully, uh, IDW went and did this. And now I have that and other stories as well that I that I had previously owned individually when the comic was under the Archie license, as well as now the trade paperbacks. And it makes you wonder, again, could they do the same with the Sonic comics that were under Archie's license as well? Now, I know they can't do it with all of them, but I'm just curious, could they do it with some, with most of them? Because when you really think about it, as I was trying to say, the comic, the, the Ninja Turtles comic, only went for about 72 issues on the main book. It went 72 issues. I don't know how many super specials that it had or any specials that it had, how many 48-page specials that it had. I know one of them that I have focused mostly on Ninjara and Raphael. So I know, but I know they had, you know, they had 72 issues as a main comic. They had so many issues, so many 48-page specials. They had, I think, a three to four part miniseries for April O'Neil. You know, so they had the spin-off, the Mighty Mutant Animals that ran for a while. So they had the fair share. I would say they had close to over a hundred issues. Close to about over a hundred issues. Not saying they did, but I'd say it was close. Maybe just a bit over combined with all everything, all the spin-offs and all that, the 48-page specials. I would say they had close to over, a little over 100 issues combined uh, during the Archie run. But what IDW's done here is they've taken all those stories out of the main book and probably eventually the super specials down the line in the miniseries, and they put them into these trade paperbacks that consist of 60, that contain six to seven issues. And some of them are, I think, of the miniseries that were involved as well, or that would lead into something. So... You know, you have to think that, okay, if they're doing that with 72 issues of the main comic and some of the spinoffs and the specials, which consisted to a little over 100, in my opinion, imagine what they could do if they made a similar deal with Archie Comics and Sega and got basically the Sonic comics involved. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, there's no way they can get them all, all published because, you know, Ken Penders would probably want some royalties for his characters being used. Well... Here's the thing. That's probably won't be that. But here's the thing. IDW could probably do that. They could probably pay him the royalties. You know, despite what others may think about IDW Comics internally, you know, and what they're dealing with financially and all that, IDW Comics, I think, could, along with Archie Comics' help, could make a deal to where they could pay the royalties to Ken Pender for his characters being utilized uh, for these trade paperbacks. And they could probably pay him royally very very nicely. Um, they could probably pay him very nicely in a very royalty way. So, you know, so to me, um, I think they could do it. And when you think about it, the Sonic comics have more issues combined than the entire Archie TMNT run, period. You're looking not just at, you know, the main book, which ran for about, 
God, how many issues was how many issues was about two two ninety one two ninety two? You know, basically two hundred and twenty issues more than the uh, TMNT's main run. Then you got to look at the specials. You got to look at the miniseries. You got to look at Sonic Universe, the spinoff. You know, you know they have plenty of content to work with. So the quite so the thing is, what's stopping them? Nothing. Nothing's really stopping them except maybe having to figure out, okay, how do we pay, you know, Ken Penders and this guy and that guy royalties to utilize the characters. You know, that's all it would be. And they wouldn't have to worry. And that shouldn't be something complicated to worry about. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be something that's complicated to figure out. You know what I'm saying? You know, it shouldn't be, you know, too complicated uh, uh, to figure out um, in the long run. If you know what I'm talking about, if you know what I'm saying, it shouldn't be too hard to figure out. So, to me, you know, when I look at, you know, the, you know, could they do it? I think IDW could. I think IDW potentially could do it. It's just right now the that's not their main priority. But you would think. Now, with this being the 30th anniversary of Sonic the Hedgehog, you would think with the movie coming out next year and then a new series animated-wise coming out next year, you would you would you would basically come to believe that you know there's not a better opportunity to capitalize on it. And pretty much, Archie Comics did the bulk of it already. They did. I mean, if you go back. Watch a video I did a couple weeks ago. Let me see if I can find it here. Yeah, two about a week ago, going on two weeks now. You know, I did a video I was showing the entire collection of books that I had. It's about an hour and 52, so I do apologize for that. But one of the things I talked about, and I think I pulled it out here towards the end. I'm not really sure. Hold on. Try to find where it's at. All the issues, as far as I know. Well, here we go. This series. These are books that they put out. The Sonic Legacy series. And it was three volumes. And it was like a lot of issues. Three big bulked up volumes. And, you know, they, like I said, Archie did most of the work there already. So all IDW would have to do is just get colorized version of those, bring them in, there you go. And then just continue from there. And that's it. You know, you don't have to worry about anything else. That's it. Um, but here's the thing. They're not doing that. They're not doing that. So, you know, but they should. And I think the timing couldn't be better. And again, Archie Comics did most of the work for them already uh, with those three-volume Sonic Legacy books. But yeah, could they do it? Absolutely. Absolutely they could do it. They could do it no matter what the situation, you know, they could do it no matter what. Again, the only things they would have to worry about is, you know, 
you know, negotiating with penders and whoever else uh, for royalties, and mostly penders, I think, because I think everybody else would be cool with it because they'd get some kind of compensation. Let's be honest. Nowadays, with things going on, you have to give some. You have to, you know, give some kind of compensation for utilizing licenses or properties or whatever. Uh, in my opinion, so to me, uh, I think it can be done. I really do. I think IDW could do the same thing they did with the TM, the RTTMNT uh, series, and they could do trade paperbacks. You know, with these uh, comics, so most of them, if not all of them. The, the Knuckle ones, the Knuckles comics are another thing. You know, that's where the a real negotiation deal with Ken Penders would have to come into play. But I think they could. I really think they could. And, and again, Archie Comics already did the work, the bulk of the work for them when they did the legacy books, when they've done the archive books, stuff like that. So all they'd have to do is just, you know, t- you know, go from there. Just probably like with the archive books, just enlarge the issues to regular sides and. You know, there you go. Uh, but the point that I'm getting at is I think they could do it. And they can make a lot of money. They can make a lot of money for them, a lot of money for Archie, the lo- a lot of money for Sega. You know, have enough money to give back royalties or pay royalties towards the likes of Penders and all that for the utilize of the characters in these stories, the republication of these stories. I think it can be done. I really do. And when you look at the fact that the original... Um, Archie TMNT uh, comics, you know, combined, you know, all 72 issues had 16 volumes of the IDW trade paperback re-release, you know, 16 volumes. You can only imagine how many volumes they could sell with this. You know, they decided to do it. They could sell a lot and they know it. They could publish and sell a lot and they could have money coming in like it's nothing because Sonic is still a major property. It's still a very hot, popular property, and the character is popular and everything. You have characters that people like to read about or like to see in these stories that are still popular in the eyes of a lot of folks. I mean, a lot of people still are behind Sally Acorn, hashtag Rally for Sally, Sally for Dash, Sally for Speed Battle, you know, Sally for Prime, for the new Sonic Prime series. You know, you got people coming out and saying, hey, this is how I think she could come back, or this is how I think you could reintroduce her, stuff like that. You know, you still have those kind of characters. So, again, I don't think there's nothing stopping IDW except themselves. The, you know, they did it once with Archie. You know, I think they could do it again. But the only thing now, the only added ingredient that they have to get the thumbs up and okay with, which I'm sure they will, is Sega. I think those are the only one, that's the only other obstacle they have to deal with. Otherwise, besides that, I think I think they could do it. I think it can be done. It's just up to them. And hopefully, maybe they might make an announcement early, uh, later this year and say, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it to coincide with the anniversary of Sonic as a franchise, and we're doing it to coincide with the new series coming out on Netflix next year and the movie. Hopefully, they do it. Because, again, if they could already do trade paperbacks of each of the arcs from the beginning to the recent ending of the metal virus. Again, what's to stop them? What is stopping them from doing the Archie book? I mean, the Archie comics, republishing them in a similar way they did with the TMNT series. Nothing. Nothing is stopping them. And they know internally 
that it can make them money. They know it. So anyway, though, I just wanted to talk about that on the second topic. Now let's get on to our third topic. Our third topic is this. Disney Plus. Yes, Disney Plus reaches its 95 million subscribers goal in its first full year. Yeah, the, the goal basically originally that Disney Plus had planned out, from what I understand, was to get to about 95 million subscribers in four years. That was a four-year plan they had. Well, basically, they reached that 95 million subscriber goal within a year. And you know what? Despite how you might feel about Disney right now and what they're going through eternally, you know, um, how, you know how they're dealing with the situation when it comes to the pandemic, stuff like that. Uh, you cannot de- you cannot deny that when they you know you know they come up with an idea you know uh, to you know when they come up with an idea basically to you know uh, run with something in the future that they succeed you you can't deny that because that's exactly what they did they came up with the idea of hey let's do our own streaming service let's stop relying on Netflix on Hulu on you know, Amazon Prime and all of them. Let's have our own service, you know, because we have this whole peripheral of content, you know, that hasn't been seen in a while or needs a steady home. Why not do it? And that's what they've done. And they did a great job here. They did a tremendous job, in my opinion, in the one year. Yeah, it took them time to get some content up there. I mean, everybody was wondering... Okay, where is the Muppet Show? Where is Disney's Dinosaurs? Where is this? Where is that? And eventually when they made the announcement that they were coming, people were excited. Because there was one thing that it was kind of holding them back from probably fully subscribing and staying on for a while. It was not having access to those pro- uh, properties. So to me, I have to say that they did a tremendous job. And the only thing... But again, going back to not having certain properties or stuff on there, that's to me holding them back from hitting that 100 million goal. And they're not going to probably hit it anyway. You know, whether they put on certain content or they don't, they're going to probably reach that 100 million subscriber goal anyway. But to me, there are things on there that they should put. You know, because here's the thing. They're putting up these descriptions now of stating, oh, this movie and this cartoon represent things that we don't stand by anymore because they were filmed at the time that these were okay. These things were okay. Or they're locking off certain movies now because of their tone. And only if you're an adult with the subscription, only then only then can you access them for, let's say, kids to watch, like Dumbo, Aristocats, Lady and the Tramp, put, uh, what else? Uh, Pinocchio or something like that. It's like you're locking them off for, you know, I, I guess appropriate reasons, if not justified reasons. But you were already letting everybody know that, you know, in your parental guidance, in your descriptions uh, of your program, that there are certain things, you know, that they're going to see that, you know, don't reflect your values and everything nowadays, but were done because of the time frame they were in. So, you know, despite despite your decisions to do that, you know, you know, again, there is certain content that you could still do it with that people want. Like, 
You know, folks want Song of the South. They want it. But Disney doesn't want to put it on there because of what it represents. But yet, they're willing to lock away, not lock away, but basically, you know, when it comes from a kid's access to Disney+, Plus, block the likes of Dumbo because of what it, you know, represents or what it describes. So, to me, to me, honestly, I think, you know, despite some of the decisions they make and hopefully they correct them, Disney has earned this. Disney has earned this this distinction. They've earned this praise that they're getting for, you know, reaching the goal, the four-year goal within a year. And I can only imagine the success, you know, that they'll have later on because it's not just it's not just the shows of the past shows and movies that they've had locked away are or locked away or shelved indefinitely that they've brought back out that's helping them succeed with their streaming service. But it's the other stuff as well that they're putting on, like the new original content. And people are enjoying it. People are enjoying it, and they can't get enough of it. And they want more. So hopefully, you know, Disney, you know, keeps the momentum going. Hopefully they correct certain decisions they make. You know, with certain other properties and movies and shows that, you know, yes, from a, you know, racial and ethic standpoint are justified to be not seen right now. But hopefully they find a way to work something around that. And probably if they have to go the route they did with Dumbo and Aristocats and all them, then so be it. But, yeah, Disney, Disney's on a roll here, despite, you know, some other situations they're going through. Uh, they are on a roll when it comes to Disney+. Plus. And... It can only get better for them. It can only get better for them in the future. I mean, the fact that they have a partnership with, with Hulu and, you know, through that partnership, they're basically saying, hey, you know, if you want to watch the R-rated stuff that's under our banner, you got to go to Hulu to watch it. That's cool, too. But uh, overall, I think they're doing a good job. And like I said, they've earned this distinction of having the 95 million plus. And again, I have no doubt they're going to hit 100 million before the year's out, before the spring's out, I'll tell you that. But, you know, if they really want to, you know, hit two million, 200 million, in my opinion, if they want to hit that 200 million mark, figure out a way to get things like Song of the South and other movies and shows that you feel you can't show right now because of what they stood for back then or what they represented back then. You'll find a way around that to bring them on. And if you have to go the route to where, you know, you got to put a warning on there or you got to bring a celebrity in and have that celebrity be like, what you're about to see is is uh, a classic, but its tones represent something that we don't stand by anymore. Then do that too. Warner Brothers is doing it. So, uh, but so yeah, I think if they figure out a way around that, they'll probably get about 200 million view uh, subscribers before the year's out, if not more so. But yeah, Disney Plus has hit 95 million, and you know, here's to you know, uh, uh, here's to basically. A hundred and five more to hit that two hundred million mark. So, congrats Disney Plus on doing that. All right. So number four, and I've talked about this already in a video. Number four, uh, basically, is this Plastic Man to be Plastic Woman for film adaptation, and the fun they could have with this. Yes, yeah, so in case you guys don't know, 
uh, Warner Brothers came out and announced uh, that they will be doing a Plastic Man film, but instead it will be a Plastic Woman film, which I would have to assume they're going to go by the name of Elastigirl um, uh, for it, or they're going to go by Plastic Woman. And this really caught a lot of people off guard because they're like, so, because a lot of people are like, wait a minute, so you're taking this iconic superhero and you're switching the gender over to female. Okay, that that's kind of an odd, you know, choice for a, a film adaptation, but all right. Now, some have probably come out and said, well, just because it's female-centric doesn't mean plastic. the plastic hero is going to be female. It could still be Plastic Man. It's just that the female lead, the lead, the main lead is going to be female. And that might be something, but, and that might be a, a something they go with, a direction they go with. But I think right now they are going with um, Plastic Woman. It's gonna, the hero is going to be Plastic Woman. I don't know if it's going to follow the same trope or the same direction, you know, storyline wise, as the original, you know, the origin basically of the original Plastic Man. But it ought to be interesting to see what they do. It's supposed to be a comedy, a superhero comedy. And you can, and again, this is, you know, when, when you kind of dive into that direction, when you kind of dive in that direction of, hey, we're going to do a female version of Plastic Man for the, for the big screen. And, oh, by the way, you know, it's, and, oh, by the way, it's going to be a superhero comedy. You can just imagine the fun they're going to have with this. Just imagine it. I mean, think about it. The fun they could have, depending on who they bring in as to, to be the plastic woman, to play the role of the plastic woman. You know, you can only imagine the fun they will have with this. You can you can only just imagine in your mind, you know, whoever they bring in to play the lead, you know, you, you just got to think to yourself, you know, how much fun she's going to have just, you know, with expressions of, you know, having fun with the power she now has, the elastic ability, the shape shifting and all that. You know, the liquefaction, because she might even do that. A, you know, who knows? But you could just imagine. You could just imagine the fun they could have. I mean, the <laughs> the mischief they can get this character in from a story perspective. So uh, it's going to be, uh, to me, it's going to be an interesting take on the character but the one thing that a lot of people are curious about is basically what, you know, what are they going to do with this character from pow a power perspective? Like what mischief and mischievous or mischievous fun can they get this character into? Especially depending on who they can bring in uh, to fill that void as the lead character. Because again, like I said, they can have her do the shape shifting where she could look voluptuous more so than ever, where she could shape shift into uh, inanimate object like clothing a vehicle or a bed, or she could do the liquefaction. Basically, she could allow herself to go to little meltdown capacity if she sees a, a, a handsome guy or potential love interest with a film. I mean, it, it just really makes you curious as to what, you know, how much mischievous fun they could have with this. I mean, you, you, you can just imagine, you could just imagine, in my opinion, you know, if she is if part of the story has the lead character reveal her powers to, let's say, her best female friend, her BFF, and basically, 
you know, there's a part in the movie where she has to, where her BFF agrees to help her find something out. And the only way she could do that is to, you know, go undercover. So she goes undercover. So perhaps she'll go on. So perhaps the scene will have her say, what if I went on, what if you went undercover for me, but I was with, there with you and kind of go from there and have her act like her dress or something like that, because that's what plastic man does. Because guess what? That's one of the things that Plastic Man has been known to do in the comics and uh, in the, in his uh, animated shows that he's done. He's basically been known to act like somebody's uh, clothing to go undercover, you know, to help them out, you know, while they go undercover. So you got to think that that's something that they might explore uh, for the movie, especially if it's going to be a superhero comedy. But, uh, and again, this falls in line to, you know, you just got to think about, you know, the fun they could have, you know, with this, you know, as they build this movie up to be released in the near future. But yeah, Plastic Man to be Plastic Woman uh, for a film adaptation. Again, the fun, you can only imagine the fun that they will, um, they will uh, basically, you know, run with or they try to come up with mischievous wise. Uh, for the character when it when it comes to this film, especially if it's going to be a superhero comedy similar to what we have with Shazam. So, um, yeah, let the speculation begin. What do you, let me uh, let me ask you this, guys? What do you think? How much fun, mischievous fun, do you think they could have with the character? Let me ask you guys in the comment section and here in the live chat. What fun do you think they could have with a female plastic, well, a plastic woman version, a plastic man for the film? How much fun do you think they will have with her discovering what she could do with her powers, like from the shape-shifting, the near-liquefaction, lustful meltdown kind of deal? What fun do you think they will do? What callbacks do you think they'll do? Uh, I'll have her do with the powers and all that. Well, let me know down below and in the live chat. Let me know what your thoughts are and how you think they'll approach it. So anyway, now that we're done with that, let's get on to our next topic. And our next topic is basically our next topic is something that was reported on the news today and again depending on whether or not you believe the news and that is why are covid vaccinate why are covid vaccines rolling out slowly or are they you know and i put that at the end because Believe it or not, there will be those that will be will feel that there is a, a conspiracy going on with the fact that when the vaccines start to roll out, they were rolling out at a rapid pace, but now all of a sudden you're starting to see a slowness in, distrib in distribution of the vaccines. Now, both sides, both um, uh, companies that are distributing this vaccine you know, are saying that they are picking up the pace. They are doing the best they can. One is saying that they're going to have more out very soon. One is saying that they're doing the same thing. You got other companies like Johnson & Johnson and all of them, you know, getting their uh, vaccines FDA approved. So it makes you really curious as to exactly, you know, what's going on here. Why are they slowing down? Is it because they're running short? Is it because all of a sudden they, you've had a rush of people that want to get the vaccinations done with? you know, get vaccinated so they can get on to normalcy, you know, what's going on. But then 
you but then you have to ask yourself your but then if you're conspiracist and this is why I put the question of or are they at the end of this topic you know you have to uh, wonder uh, whether or not the slowdown is being done on purpose now I don't think it is honestly I'll be truthful with you I don't think it is I think it's because I think honestly what's going on is a lot of states are getting ahead of schedule with the vaccinations of the people that want to get vaccinated or basically will be vaccinated or, you know, or basically recommended to get vaccinated. You know, you know, I understand that some states are getting ahead of schedule. So that's throwing off, you know, uh, the, uh, the distributors, the companies that are distributing the vaccinations and all that. You know, it's throwing them off. It's kind of throwing them off schedule. So I can understand that if some states are getting ahead of schedule when it comes to it, and that's the supply is running low. But there are those, and this is why I put the are they portion at the end of the topic, there are those that feel it's a conspiracy. There are those that feel that the only reason we're slowing down now is it's all part of a plan. It's all part of the Biden-Harris plan to hold us hostage, to basically show the true colors that, they don't really give a darn about any of us. And uh, as I've said before, everybody has a right to their opinion. And if there are those out there that believe that the slowdown is being done on purpose so that they can lock us down even longer or keep us from having our freedom, then that's fine. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case because you know why? Too many eyeballs are on what's going on right now. Too many eyeballs are on Harris. Too many eyeballs are on Biden. Too many eyeballs on the Democrats. Too many eyeballs on the Republicans. Too many eyeballs are on the uh, Pulitzer, Pulitzer and Maradolze, or whatever the names of the vaccines are, or distributors of the vaccines right now, the two known for right now. No, too many eyeballs on them. Too many eyeballs on the CDC. Too many eyeballs on the World Health Organization. Too many eyeballs on them so they know they can't screw up. They can't do anything suspicious, which is why I tend to believe that what's going on is a lot of states are getting ahead of schedule with vaccinations, which is why, you know, there's a a bit of a short supply right now, a temporary short supply, in my opinion, because of the fact that a lot of states are ahead of schedule and it's throwing off, you know, the the distributing of these vaccines by the, uh, um, respected companies in pharma, you know, pharmaceutical companies, it's throwing them off um, as well. You know, throwing them off schedule. So that's why I believe it's slowing down. Why the, you know, why the, um, you know, why they're rolling out slowly now because a lot of states are getting ahead of schedule when it comes to the vaccinations, and it's throwing off um, Pulitzer and Mondoza, um, Mondoza, whatever the name is. It's throwing them off from a from a distributing schedule perspective, which is why the slow out there's, the there's a slowdown. It's a small slowdown, but it's a slowdown. Now again, I know some people, and again, this is why I put the uh, thing at the end of or are they, you know, at the end of the topic. There are those that, as I said, are going to find conspiracy. Some are going to say, "Oh, well, isn't it ironic during the week of the second impeachment trial that all of a sudden we have a slowdown?" Gee, I wonder what the coincidence could be. And again, like I said, people have the right to their opinion. But I want to believe, I tend to believe, that 
what it is, is it's basically a lot of states are getting, you know, ahead on schedule when it comes to vaccinations, and it's causing kind of a disruption with the distributing by the two companies that right now are in the limelight for the because of the vaccines being supplied. It's causing them to, you know, get behind on schedule and kind of have to slow down to make sure they do they distribute enough out there to, you know, reach the goal by March, which some people are saying is unrealistic and some are saying they are not, it is not unrealistic, uh, if you know what I mean. But yeah, I tend to believe it's because a lot of states, like my state's trying to get ahead of schedule. I know Florida's getting ahead of schedule. Texas is getting ahead of schedule. You know, places like that, I think, where the most where you have the most population so far of people that want to get out of this, get back to normal. I think, I don't think it'll be a long slowdown. I think it's very temporary. And that sooner or later, things will be by March. Things should be okay. But anyway, uh, with that said, I think we I think we'll be fine. We don't have to worry about it. And you know, I I believe truly that they will reach their goal. No matter how no matter what news media is or other people want to say, I think they will reach their goals uh sooner than later. I know some people, you know, they'll listen to some of these reports and they'll be like, Well, this person sounded very, you know, you know, weird or sounded, you know, kind of off a little bit and didn't answer the questions that they were asked, you know, straight up. And true, that is that is a fact. You know, there were some people that tried to avoid a question. I will admit that. But I think it's mainly because they're unsure or mainly because of the fact that there's somebody, let's be honest, they are somebody that feels that you should take your time, slow it down, like, You know, they want to slow it down because they want to keep us going at this because, you know, no offense, they might be germophobic. Who knows? But anyway, though, I I think the slowdown is only very short and temporary and that the vaccinations will continue rapidly on uh, in the next few weeks, if not the next week or so. But anyway, with that said, let's move on to our next topic. And our next topic is one that, you know, dropped today, as far as I know. And that is the 2021 My Little Pony movie, which is supposed to lead into Generation 5 of the My Little Pony series, which takes place in the same continuity, the same world as G4, Friendship is Magic, but many years later. The 2021 MLP movie is to be Netflix-bound in September. Yes. It's ironic that I talked about this in my last topics on my mind on Wednesday, when I asked the question of whether or not it will be theatrical bound, VOD bound, or a combination of both, basically simultaneously theater and VOD. Well, as of right now, although things could change, as of right now, the 2021 MLP movie is going to be Netflix bound. That's right. So basically, instead of heading to the theaters or having to pay money for it, well, you got to pay a monthly subscription to Netflix anyway, you will be watching it on Netflix when it comes out. Now, people are probably asking and wondering why this happened. 
And I think it has to do with the fact that despite the fact that the 2017 movie was a success, it made back its made back more than what it, you know, um, you know, it, it took to create it, you know, at the box office. Uh, basically, I think, um, honestly, you know, despite the fact, like I said, that the 2017 movie was a success, you know, it made back its budget, if not more so, at the box office. I think this was probably expected because we have yet to see a trailer. We have yet to see any teaser, any promotional images, and the movie comes out in September. So that should have been a telltale sign of, yeah, something's up. It's something's up that either it's going to be delayed to 2022 or it's going to direct a video VOD or it's going to a streaming service and it's going. And basically the latter was the choice of distributing for Paramount uh, and for Paramount Hasbro when it comes to the movie and that is Netflix. Now, is it disappointing that this is happening this way? Kind of. But I think, honestly, from a business perspective, a business promotional perspective, even though we won't see it on the big screen unless you have a projector or you have one of those 80-inch 4K, 8K screens, if you will, um, you know, from a promotional business perspective, if you, especially if you're going to use it to lead into a new um, series, I think this is the best direction to go in. One, because the last time they tried doing this, where they would do a My Little Pony movie on the big screen that led into a series, it was in 1986. And despite the, and despite the fact that they had two primetime specials before that, in, what was it? 84 and 85 or 83 and 85 or something like that. 83, 84. Uh, despite that, there was no other promotions. There were no other animations. And then the movie came out and that led us into uh, the series. And the first five episodes were just a continuation of the movie's story, but serving as the movie sequel. So it did and box office wise, it didn't really help out because it's like, you know, to a lot of people, all you were doing was using this uh, movie to create a series. Now, we've seen that recently. I'm not going to deny that. I've seen, we've seen that recently with the likes of Wonder Park and all them. We've seen that. But back then, it proved to be a, fail, it proved to be a disaster for Hasbro when they did it then. So, if they were good, so I'm guessing a lot of factors came into play. One, of course, the pandemic. The fact that even though we probably more than likely will have theaters open by then and be on the very, 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 very tail end of the pandemic, you know, basically mostly be out of it. You know, Netflix doesn't want to take a chance that the movie is not going to do be a success because who's to say some of the movies that might come out then around that time won't be movies that were scheduled to come out during certain times last year or this year. So they don't want to take a chance that the new movie will be overlapped by those. And also the fact that I don't think they want history to repeat itself from essentially 35 years ago. Where basically, you know, they tried to, you know, they use, well, they tried to use a big screen movie for MLP to, you know, flow into a new animated series and it backfired. So... My guess is what they're doing here is, 
you know, they're taking that into equa- into the equation as well and realizing, you know what, the best solution right now is we can still do theaters if we want to, very limited, but the best idea right now is just to go with, you know, direct to the homes and direct into the homes with a VOD or streaming and go from there. And they probably went with Netflix um, as the most likely um, distributor for the movie, along with Paramount, because they also have a deal with Netflix where they're showing a majority, where they have most of the series, the Friendship is Magic series, you know, on the service with the exception of season nine, which I think will migrate over to Netflix uh, very soon uh, in the future to help complete it along with the specials, along with some of the Equestria Girl movies and stuff, they probably realize that Netflix is the best destination for them right now and probably down the line could be the new home for Generation 5. Yeah. Because when you think about it, you know, they could easily have done direct-to-video, you know, direct-to-digital first and then video later on. They could have done that. But instead, what do they do? They decide, nope, we're going to go with Netflix. And this kind of makes me wonder if Netflix is going to be the home of the new G5 series. Makes me wonder. But yeah, My Little Pony, uh, the movie, the 2021 movie is heading to Netflix. Um, You know, again, to me, I think this is a smart move, you know, pandemic or not, whether we're out of it by then or not. Uh, which we should be, theaters open by then or not, which they should be. Um, I I think this is a good move because, like I said, there could be a lot of movies, Big Ten blockbusters that come out around the same time, and I don't think Hasbro and Paramount want a chance that one of the most you know hyped-up movies that people are looking forward to could be overlapped by um, by these big blockbusters. You know, it could, it could be overshadowed. Um so going with Netflix, I think, is a good choice. And there's one thing that a lot of people pointed out when they heard about this. Take a look at what Netflix has done for Over the Moon, for Claws, and for Steven Universe. You know, one of them, or two, one of those three, I think Claws, was nominated for a Best Animated Picture um, Oscar uh, last year. So I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Claws was nominated you know, for that, it was also nominated for Best uh, Direction or something like that. I can't really remember, but it was nominated. So I'm not saying that the new movie will get that kind of treatment or get that kind of, uh, or have that kind of um, success or get that kind of uh, uh, nod or acknowledgement. But you got to look at the fact that Netflix has a very good track record. It has a very good track record with movies that were originally probably meant for theaters, but now have become exclusively distributed by them for everybody to see. And when you think about it, Claus was for a short time uh, in theaters. It was on the big screen for about, I think, a week, and that was it. And it was on, it was in theaters, you know, the same week it debuted on Netflix. So, you know, who's to say that this won't, you know, this won't be a good thing for the MLP movie? I think it will be. And again, it makes you wonder if this is going to, is this is a sign of things to come. If Netflix will be the home of the new G5 series, if Netflix has the distributing rights for the movie. You know, it's something to, to really think about um, when it's all said and done, uh, when, uh, when it's all said and done, when the movie premieres in September. So, yeah, 
the 2021 movie is heading to Netflix, and you know, I can't wait to see what I can't wait to see what it's like. And again, like I mentioned at the beginning of this topic, this you know, this is coming because of the fact that we didn't see no promotional ads, we didn't see no uh, teasers, we didn't see no trailers or anything like that. So it really makes you curious as to, you know. It made you really curious as to when are we going to see any kind of promotions or stuff like that. And now we know, oh, exactly. And, you know, again, by it going to Netflix, that kind of answered our question. Now, I'm sure we'll get a teaser and all that in the future, like within the next couple of months. But like I said, this does kind of explain, you know, why we haven't seen anything, you know, up till now uh, when it comes to the movie. You know, we've heard information and all that of what it's going to be like, but we haven't gotten, like, any teasers or anything like that as to what exactly it's going to look like. So, you know, with that said, I think, honestly, that should have been our clues that, you know, besides the information we're getting, synopsis and descriptions and all that, you know, without a promotional image or trailer or teaser or whatever, that kind of answered our question of, yeah, this is probably going to end up on streaming or VOD. And like I said, the latter was the choice of, of distributing for Paramount and Hasbro and Allspark. But yeah, it's coming to Netflix, and I think it's going to be a good, and I think it's a smart move. I think it's a smart move, not because of the pandemic and all that. I think it's a smart move because there could be a lot of big blockbusters coming out at that time that could overshadow and overlap uh, the, the MLP movie itself. So I think it's a smart move, and again, it makes you wonder if Netflix is going to be the home of the new series. Be right back, guys. All right, guys, I was just checking, making sure. Uh, yeah, I just need to also get up and stretch my legs a little bit, um, if you will. And let me double check, make sure things are working here. It looks like there's a little bit of a distortion.
Well, it might just be something. I told you there might be some interference or something. I do apologize. Let's check in. Yeah, it looks fine here on my computer, so it's probably just some um, it's probably the Wi-Fi or something like that. Like I said, there's some interference going on. Yeah, it looks fine here on my computer, so it's probably just um, it's probably the Wi-Fi or something like that. I do apologize for that. Um, if you're watching. In fact, let me uh, check something real quickly, guys, before we move on to the next topic here. There might be something going on here, guys. Sorry for that. Okay, just checking so probably just catching up with itself too. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, so let's get on to our next main topic here. Now next main topic, hopefully you guys can hear me and all that when you watch this. I think it's just something going on right now with, with YouTube maybe. Yeah, I think it's something going on with the you with YouTube. There's something going on with YouTube. So I do apologize, guys. If there's any distortions and all that, I do apologize. Hopefully it works itself out uh, throughout this. I think it's some kind of interference going on. Uh, but anyway, let's go on to our next topic. And our next topic was something that came out a couple of days ago. Disney shuts down Blue Sky Studios. Now, in case you guys don't know who Blue Sky Studios is, 
it was the main animation uh, department or distributor for a lot of movies that came out courtesy of 20th Century uh, Fox, now known as 20th Century Studios under Disney Banner. Uh, movies like Ice Age, the Peanut, the Ice Age series, the Peanut movies. I think that was a. I think that was about it. Let me check. I think, I'm sure there was any more. Yeah, basically, um, they were the animation studio for, like I said, the Ice Age series, Peanuts movie. Um, what else was I just saw, too? Hold on. I saw it, too. Like I said, they were the distributors of the Peanuts movie, the Ice Age movies, uh, the recent Spies in Disguise, as well as the Rio movies, the Rio animated movies. So they were basically the ones behind that. And all that uh, migrated um, over to... Um, To, uh, to Disney. Boy, what a distortion happened here on my thing. So we'll see, you guys. Hold on. Mr. Cat, Lady in the Tram. Uh, is that just a show? or whatever the names of the vaccines are from the street. The best idea right now is to go with, you know, direct to the homes and direct into the home for the VOD of streaming. Yeah, something's going on, guys. I do apologize. One of the most, you know, high-cut movies that people are looking forward to to be overlapped by, um, by the Something's going on. I don't know where the interference is coming from. I don't know if it's just because other people are getting stuff installed or what's going on. Something's going on. I don't know where the interference is coming from. I don't know if it's just because other people are getting stuff installed or what's going on. Yeah, but like I said, uh, basically, um, yeah, Blue Sky Studios was known for a lot of those movies. And a lot of those movies migrated over to Disney because Disney had bought, you know, Fox and these the 20th Century Fox Division and Fox Television. And um, yeah, we probably had a feeling. I think a lot of us pretty much had a feeling that it was inevitable that this was going to happen. You know that uh, basically the um, the movie was. I just moved something there. Maybe that's what's causing the interference. I don't know. 
just moving my uh, C Seagate driver out, so see if maybe that's that's helping. And I guess it was. Who knew? I had a feeling that it was inevitable that this was going to happen. You know, that uh, basically the um, the movie was this is new Sunday. Maybe that's something in the face. I don't know. Just moving my uh, Seagate driver out. So maybe that's, that's helping. Yeah, I guess it's, uh, it might have helped a little bit. But anyway, like I said, um, like I said, you know, we, we have, I think a lot of us pretty much knew inevitably the, uh, it was going to, Blue Skies was probably going to be um, shut down or at least switched up or something like that, but now the question is exactly what happens to a lot of these properties that Disney now owns, or at least has the distributing license to. And I would assume that as far as like the Peanuts movie goes, I think I think Disney still has the licensing for that, the distributing license for that. So it's going to remain on Disney+. Plus. But I can see inevitably it might migrate over to Apple TV because Apple has the rights right now for the Peanuts. So I can see the Peanuts movie heading that direction. Uh, as far as the Ice Age series goes, I think that's going to stick with Disney. That'll stay with Disney. You know, that'll stay with Disney. Uh, there's no doubt. Um, as far as the Rio series goes, I think Rio might stay with Disney, but I could see them probably going over to Sony. Maybe DreamWorks. Um, Spies in Disguise, I think that'll probably stay with Disney if they wanted to do more. So I look at it this way. I, I see the Peanuts movie, since it was under Blue Skies, I think that's going to head over to Apple eventually if they decide to sell off some of these properties or at least you know let some of the licenses expire. Even though they own them, they own the properties you know outright. Uh, I think, you know, you know, there are some that they will, you know, if it's a distributing license or adaptation license, I think they'll let some of them expire. And like I said, the Peanuts movie, I could see probably going to Apple Plus in the future. I could see the Ice Age series staying with them since they do have a spinoff movie slash series uh, with those two um, characters. I can't think of their name right now um, showing up. I could see it happening that I can see I could see that happening, I should say. Rio, I think, will probably get sold off to either Sony or DreamWorks, or Universal, that is. And I could probably see Spies in Disguise staying with Disney. So, yeah, unfortunately, though, uh, Blue Skies is no more. And again, that's what I think is going to happen with some of the properties. I think Ice Age is going to the Ice Age series is going to remain at Disney. 
I think the Peanuts movie is going to migrate very uh, down the line, if not soon, to Apple TV to be with the other Peanuts properties they have right now. Uh, I could see uh, the Rio series uh, going over to either Sony, being sold either to Sony Animation or DreamWorks. And I could see Spies in Disguise sticking with Disney. So. That's what I. That's honestly what I think the future is for some of those uh, properties, and you know where I think they, the destinations may be in the near future. Uh, so, with that said, uh, let's move on to our last and final main topic today, our eighth and final one, and that is Street Fighter II: The World Warrior thirtieth uh, anniversary. Now, I know some people are saying, "Well, didn't we celebrate the thirtieth anniversary already?" Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Street Fighter came out in 1987. That's when the whole franchise began. The 30th anniversary for that was in 2017. World Warrior came out this year. It came out this year in arcades, which was the sequel, Street Fighter 2. So Street Fighter 2 is celebrating its 30th anniversary. And this is basically the 30th anniversary game that came out uh, for the uh, first 30 years. But it says celebrating 30 years of Street Fighter, not Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2 came out um, in 1991, I believe. Hold on, let me check. Hey, Google, when did Street Fighter 2, the game, come out? Street Fighter 2's initial release date is February 1991. So there you go. 30 years ago, Street Fighter 2 came out. That's why, you know, when I saw what Pat Carter, Pat Contra, a.k.a. Pat the NES Punk, and his co-host of the CU Podcast, Ian, were talking about in a video, that's basically what it is. Street Fighter 2 came out in 1991. And that began a legacy like none other. That basically, you know, it's very rare that a sequel is, well, it's not very rare, but it's rare at times, especially with video games, that a sequel is better than the original. Well, basically, and it improves on it. Well, that's basically what Street Fighter 2 did. Street Fighter 2 improved on the original Street Fighter and more so because basically Street Fighter 2 as Angry Video Game Nerd said when he was doing a review of Street Fighter 2010, said it went off on its, basically, quote, uh, AVGN, Street Fighter 2 went off on its own tangent by having sequels based around it, like Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2, The New Challengers, Street Fighter 2, Turbo, Street Fighter 2, this, that, Super Street Fighter, you name it. It had a peripheral of sequels, and eventually it did morph to go morph and move on to give us Street Fighter 3, 4, 5, and now 5. That game is basically taking on a life of its own because now we just got a new DLC character or a new character added in as well. And that's saying something. They basically took what is known as the random slot, Condom 11, and said, here, have a shape-shifting morphine jelly character. <laughs> you know? 
So, yeah, Street Fighter 2, though, I played that a lot. Can't get enough of it. Really enjoy it. Um, like I said, just can't get enough of the game. And when it came out, I don't think I have the game itself. Nope. I don't have the game, you know, from a Super Nintendo perspective. I have Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Ultimate Mortal Kombat, that is. But I don't have uh, Street Fighter 2, the game. I do have it, like I said, the confirmation stuff and, and all that. So I have played it many times. So, you know, I've had my share. You know, I've had my share of it. Um, but overall, though, yeah, Street Fighter 2 went off on its own tangent. And it was one of the main reasons we got the John Carl Van Damme movie. That's the truth. The Raw Julia, John Carl Van Damme adaptation. Yeah, it came because of Street Fighter 2. Not Street Fighter 1. It came because of Street Fighter 2. You know, despite how you might feel about it, that that's how we got it. But, yeah, I remember playing the game uh, the first time. I think it was at my cousin's and having fun with it. So, yeah, Street Fighter 2, 30 years. My goodness. I was barely going into 12 years old that time when the first one, when that came out. And then, like everybody said, it went on to its own. It went on its own tangent. It went on to Street Fighter New Challenger, Street Fighter Two Turbo, Super Street Fighter, you name it. Street Fighter Two Hyper Fighting. I mean, my goodness, and, and the variations of how these Street Fighter Two, you know, continuations, uh, expansions, if you will, were released. It's like you had to spend money just to, you know, you just, you I mean. You had to spend money on certain consoles just to play these games. Or hope somebody you knew had the console. I'm not lying. Some of the things that some of the games that AVGN was showing during that review was you had, of course, the Super Street Fighter for the Nintendo, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Super Street Fighter, and all that. One of them was for the 3DO. How many people had a 3DO? I didn't. I know I didn't. Yeah, so, so yeah, you know, you had so many different games. You had so many different games going, going on for just that one sequel. Before we finally got more, before we got uh, the rest of them. But overall, I'm going to say that I enjoyed Street Fighter 2. I'm happy it's people are celebrating the 30th anniversary. And again, just the, the sheer fact. I mean, just the sheer fact that, I mean, when I'm looking right here, I'm looking at, let's see. Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2, uh, what was this one? I think this was Street Fighter 2, Hyper Fighting, Street Fighter 2, Super Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, then they went into the Alpha Series, then they went into 3, and then 3 got its own freaking series of games. So, yeah. So, yeah, it, it what a legacy. What a legacy Street Fighter 2 has had. 
And now you wonder why, you know, Street Fighter Two, Street Fighter Three was a success. You wonder why Street Fighter Four was a success, and you wonder why. Street Fighter V is a success, and why it's still being expanded on. You know, it really makes you makes you wonder. All because it all started with Street Fighter Two, and they've taken that same formula, and for a majority of its run, improved on it and made it better. And you know, by improving and made it better. They didn't really change too much of the dynamics, but basically they improved graphically, improved everything. So it was just overall just a great, great game, you know, Street Fighter 2. And it basically spawned what a fighting game is about. You know, it spawned the inspiration for all these other games that came out. You know, whether they were around the same, you know, T-rated version of, you know, Street Fighter or they were the M-rated Mortal Kombat-like. Whatever the case may be, you know, it's any wonder why you're seeing, you know, characters like Ryu and Ken show up in Smash and other places like that. So, yeah, Street Fighter 2, the World Warrior, as it's initially known, celebrating the 30th anniversary and is the reason we got the Street Fighter legacy we have today. So, yeah, happy happy 30th to the Street Fighter uh, series at Capcom. And here's to Street Fighter 6 in the near future. And I think we will be getting that soon, especially with the PS5 and the Xbox, you know, Series X, hopefully improving on what they are capable of in the near future. But that's all I'm going to say, though, guys, for today's topics on my mind. Uh, Let me know what your thoughts are down below. Comment if you like. I do apologize for a lot of the distortion, some distortion uh, that has happened briefly during this uh, live stream. Like I said, it might have been some internet interference uh, that occurred. I, I do apologize for that. Hopefully, the next live stream I do in the future won't be so bad. Uh, but again, let me know what your thoughts are down below, though, with everything I've said, talked about here in this Topics on My Mind video today. And that's really all I could say, guys. Again, I will put down descriptions, or put in the description links to my other content or other places where you can find my content uh, as well. And that's all I'm going to say, guys, for today. Again, I do apologize for some of the abrupt uh, interruptions, you know, the the uh, interference, the distortion, the lag, if you will. It had to be either something on YouTube's part or it had to be some kind of interference around here. I don't know what it was, but I do apologize for that. And hopefully the next stream will be better. But till next time, guys, you take care. God bless. Stay safe. And I will talk to you all later. And I am out. I got to go do some shopping anyway and get some lunch. So I'll talk to you all later. Peace.